the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Thank you to all of you that are listening to this wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. But guess what? If you want to come and get this multi-platform excellence, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Cover 3. Go and give us a subscribe right there, and you'll just have it in your feed. It'll be right there, always suggested for you because... uh, I will always suggest that you come and check us out. <laughs> that's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. A lot to get to today. We've got some uh, breaking and developing news out of the Wisconsin Badgers program. Uh, we get to see uh, the Florida Gators back in action. Sort of a reminder that this uh, you know top team SEC championship contender is in the mix as we look down the road uh, to them taking on our beloved Dogs. Uh, we had a big high profile recruiting news break over the weekend early line look ahead looking ahead to some of the biggest lines coming up in week nine and though he uh requested that it was not going to be included we made promises to you the audience we will not get out of this podcast without some knolls to go with danny cannell checking in on the pulse of florida state uh after a disappointing effort uh in, in Louisville, uh, Papa John Cardinal Stadium. So the breaking news first, Friday night, world taken by storm. Graham Mertz comes out near perfect performance. This Wisconsin offense humming against Illinois. It, it is not just an offense that is going to be relying on whoever can step up in the wake of uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Nikia Watson played pretty well, I thought, but the, the headline was without a doubt uh, the way that Mertz had played for 248 passing yards, five touchdowns. Again, the efficiency was incredible, but then news breaks on Sunday. Uh, according to, I believe, the State Journal is going to be our first report, and then confirmed by CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd, uh, Graham Mertz tested positive for COVID-19 and is currently awaiting confirmation from a second test. So there's uh, the way the Big Ten has been doing this has been daily testing. Remember, that was like the, one of the things that the Big Ten pointed to. They said, uh, you know, we're going to be testing every single day with this antigen test. And then there's a PCR test as a follow-up to confirm uh, any positive test. If that positive test is confirmed, according to Big Ten protocol, that's going to be out for 21 days. So that is going to uh, absolutely be at the top of the list of concerns for any Wisconsin fan right now. I think there's a couple different ways to approach this, or at least that I'm interested in uh, getting into. Number one, the Wisconsin side of things. Number two, it's the first high-profile um, examination of the Big Ten and its COVID-19 protocols. 
Uh, so I guess first, like Barton on the on the Wisconsin side of this, yeah, we we already know that we don't have Jack Cohn, and we were already down to Graham Mertz, and we were a little skeptical about that, and then he wowed us. Like how how do you see the Badgers if Mertz is found uh, to have a confirmed positive COVID nineteen test? What's what's the outlook here? How do we change our expectations for this team? I think, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be too pessimistic because Wisconsin just, they, they tend to find a way. They tend to just sort of have an idea of how to be successful, how to figure out how to win. I, I mean, Chase Wolf, I guess, would be the next man up. I don't think he's as good as Graham Mertz. Remember, Graham Mertz was a legit four-star guy. I mean, I think we've talked about that. I mean, he was not a, he was not a game manager in, in the traditional sense that Wisconsin's used to having over the last few years. So, that he went out there and blew it up was not not totally unexpected. I mean, this guy that had five in the All-American Bowl on NBC. So I think that um, the, 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 the bigger question I have is when you look at the Wisconsin game against Illinois, they averaged sack-adjusted 3.8 yards per carry on the ground. Like, that, that's not great. And Grant Mertz was really good and really efficient. And so if they get another 3.8 yards a carry kind of game, is Chase Wolf good enough? I think maybe, you know, the way I envision Wisconsin is this, all right, we're going to hunker down and win with defense and um, not let the, the, the offense beat us. Probably wasn't the way this season was playing out because Graham Mertz is so capable at quarterback and they have enough weapons at tight end and, and elsewhere to, to, to threaten defenses. But with Chase Wolf and at quarterback, Maybe that's that that does become the approach. Let's let's shorten these games, win with defense. I I just can't imagine they're going to try to put too much on Chase Wolf's plate. Yeah, I'm not super. I mean, it sucks. It's not good. It definitely hurts Wisconsin's ceiling as far as if we want to look at it from you know because they do have games against Nebraska next week. So if he's out 21 days, he's going to miss the Nebraska game. He's going to miss the Purdue game. He's going to miss the road game against Michigan. Those are three <laughs> games you'd obviously like to have Mertz back for. But I don't think it hurts him that much because like what Barton was saying, this is it's not like Wisconsin doesn't know how to survive with a game manager type of player at quarterback. It's what they've been built on. It's what they've thrived on. As far as them not being able to run the ball against Illinois, that's a concern, except, you know, last year, even with Jonathan Taylor, they only averaged 3.6 yards per carry against Illinois. The way that Illinois defends Wisconsin, they are able, they've been able to slow the running game down. It's, they want Wisconsin to beat them through the air and, Wisconsin had a quarterback this time around that was able to do it. So I think they're still going to be able to run the ball against other teams. I think that we're still going to see a Wisconsin team in a Big Ten West that, frankly, wasn't all that impressive this weekend besides Wisconsin dominating Illinois and Northwestern's domination of Maryland. When you looked around the rest of the division, you know, Purdue and Iowa was not exactly a, you know, exciting game to watch. Purdue came out with the win. Minnesota, we'll probably be talking about a little bit here later. They're missing a lot of key players, and we don't know how long they're going to be without those guys, and they looked pretty subpar against Michigan on Saturday night. And then, you know, um, who am I forgetting here? Purdue, Iowa. Uh, Northwestern, you mentioned them. In, yeah, so yeah, it's just the entire division really didn't look all that great. So I feel like this is something that Wisconsin can withstand. It's just it does make the Nebraska and the Michigan game a little more difficult, but I still think they, they're capable of beating Nebraska. Michigan, maybe not. I think it I think it sucks. <laughs> like I think that's the bottom line because when I was watching Wisconsin play on Friday night, 
I was thinking, man, this is the biggest difference maker we've seen since Russell Wilson at Wisconsin. This is not your, this is not your, your father's Wisconsin quarterback, right? This is, this is a guy who was out there, and not only did he produce with the way he threw the ball, but he also had something about him. Like it was, it was cocky. Like it was confidence, borderline cocky, which is a good thing. Like I think you have to have that. And he wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. He brought an element to that team that you don't typically see. So in my mind, I was thinking not only just division winners, but this team has gotten chances in the Big Ten Championship before. I was thinking big picture, like, hey, how good could this team be? Like maybe this is a team that could give Ohio State a run for their money. And either way, maybe it's the best uh, best case scenario for the Big Ten because if Wisconsin's better, it makes Ohio State's case or whoever the representative from the other side is better and a stronger resume to get into the playoff, which may or may not come into play. But I was thinking, man, this team looks completely different. Now without him, I don't, it'd be one thing if Jack Cohn was fine. Like if you, had, if you could fall back on an experienced starter. Now we're going three deep on the roster. Now it becomes even more hard. They're going to challenge you even more. They're going to get eight guys in the box and say, go ahead, we dare you. And I know they figured out ways to win, but if you slip up once, you know, and you know, who knows what could happen. You know, Purdue did beat Iowa. Michigan's going to be a much tougher game. And I know it doesn't matter for the division, but it's still, I thought, I thought Wisconsin had a chance with Mertz to maybe run the table and like do something special. And now that it's gone, it's like, ugh. and I will say this. I think the big 10, I don't, I wish they would. I think the 21 days. And I said this, the minute they came out with policy, I think it's too stringent. I think it's too strict. It's well beyond the CDC guidelines, even what they recommend. And I know it's for the myocarditis. They want to do the extra time to do cardiac tests. I'm telling you, you tell me an SEC coach or even Ryan Day would be quiet if he lost Justin Fields for three weeks. I guarantee you he'd be pounding the table saying, well, hold on a second. Wait, let's, let's reevaluate this. And I think it probably could be done. A lot of professional sports have readjusted their protocols on the fly. Um, and I know this is different. I don't think the Big Ten does because I think this was a compromise they had to make in order to play the games actually. But I think it's going to come back to bite them. I think this might be the first one that actually cost the program you know, a potential Big Ten championship game spot. Like, who knows what it cost them? But without him for three weeks, I think it's going to. I think it's going to hurt this team. Graham Mertz did not get the oh that as a quarterback of Wisconsin, you're supposed to be sheepish and apologetic for being the starting quarterback. <laughs> you are not supposed to be confident and swaggy. And Barry Alvarez made a call to the medical department, said somebody needs to compromise his COVID sample. This guy is entirely too flashy. <laughs> let's, let's get him off the bill for 21 days. Let him think about what he's done. This is a run team first. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Danny. Like this was all, we always um, assumed that this was going to bite the Big Ten at some point. And it's a shame that, uh, you know, Graham Mertz in Wisconsin gets bit the first here. Like I was thinking – and, and, you know, we talked about, I mean, all this stuff, it's hard to know what is necessary, what isn't. We're all guessing to a certain degree. Um, but, you know, in the SEC, you can make a case. Remember, I, talk, I gave, you know, the, in the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, some of these is like, I gave the example, you know, another contact tracing protocol. Like in, in other conferences, you may be better off getting COVID from a purely like ability to play standpoint than getting a contact tracing flag. 
because you're literally in the hole for 14 days versus, you know, you can kind of test out of the COVID issues. So it's just going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out in the Big Ten because 21 days is, especially for a no bye week eight game season, like it's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's unsustainable, really. And they have, but they've got no contact tracing, right? Like the Big Ten. Okay, so is that is that the is that the trade off we have? Yes, mm-hmm. that is okay. daily testing with really strict protocols for positive tests, but you don't have the same contact tracing protocols where you have to determine uh, what close contact is. You know, six feet, fifteen minutes, and and you don't have the isolation that is uh, required if you are found to be a close contact. With the theory being, we're testing every single person every single day. And we've got this other protocol that kicks into gear if you are a positive. So therefore, we don't need to go to these extra lengths in terms of the isolation. But again, 21 days is literally 37.5% of the season. Mm. It's a lot. Uh, Also on the Big Ten protocol side of this, it doesn't seem... Like we, so Wisconsin is not going to release any names uh, of positive tests. And it certainly seems based on the way things went with Minnesota going into that Michigan game, that that was very much last minute. We're not going to say yes or no. If some of these absences are, are COVID related or not, is anybody else feeling, I mean, I was already terrified as it is after seeing those garbage time unders uh, getting crushed. Like, is anybody else terrified of the big tens? Uh, is it any more or less intimidating to approach a big 10 lock uh, with the same kind of confidence, not knowing how things are going to go in terms of player availability? No, because it's not, we don't know. We don't get the reasons why, but we know why. And it's not all that different from what we're dealing with everywhere else. It's just, again, like we've been talking about since the beginning of the season, just don't do anything until shortly before kickoff or after kickoff. Although I will say, I told you guys in the text thread, I did break my own rule yesterday when the Graham Mertz news broke and I saw Nebraska sitting there at plus 11. I might've jumped on and taken Nebraska plus 11. And that line is now down to about seven and a half last I checked. So maybe you can make a special exemption every once in a while, but I am also living dangerously because come Saturday, we might find out Nebraska's entire offensive line is out. Who knows? I mean, are y'all still feeling good? You feel like this is just college football in general? This is just the game that we play? What we signed up for, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear any complaining. (laughs) Everybody's got the same issues. Everybody's dealing with it. All right. uh, Speaking of COVID protocols, the Florida Gators are back in action, back at practice. They had, uh, you know, we had the game postponements and then the continued positive tests that came out of Gainesville, including head coach Dan Mullen, uh, resulted in the whole program. You know, we're shutting everything down for the entire weekend. They are scheduled to be back in action against Missouri. It has, like it is, it feels a little bit unfair and a little bit of a stretch to, to think that um, I should feel any differently about this Florida team, but it's almost human nature. Same thing happened with Oklahoma State, where it's like you just sort of disappear from the picture, even for a couple weeks. I almost feel a little bit less enthusiastic about you. But as the Gators are coming back, and again, as I mentioned earlier, with the Georgia game on the horizon, do you are you welcoming Florida back in? Are you able to get jazzed up about the Super Swamp Brothers and about Florida's chances to win the SEC East? I mean, Gator Danny, are you sticking to your uh, sticking to your prediction that this is going to be the year that they get back to the SEC championship game, even with the kind of disruption that they've had over the last couple weeks? 
I am, but I'm nervous about it. I'm stubborn to a fault. Like I'm still sticking to what I believed, which is Florida's offense will be enough firepower to get through Georgia. Georgia's offense still has a long way to go. But at the same time, I'm like, what have the past two weeks looked like for Florida? Because my hunch is kind of like Barton's story. Everybody quarantined, everybody hunkered down, maybe do some Zoom meetings. I don't know. Are they able to do any work? Are they able to, like, I'm picturing guys shut down. Like, this is what we have to do to survive this. And if that's the case, it's going to take some time to ramp things back up again. And yeah, it's Missouri, but that, that game has me, has me nervous. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get. Like, you could be a little bit, a little bit off. Guys could be out of shape. Like, there's a, there's a, you know, a fourth quarter element. Like, hey, are you that much better than Missouri? I don't know. So there's absolutely some trepidation uh, for this game. I feel a little bit better that they've got the week kind of to use this Missouri game. doesn't matter what the score is. They can win by one point. It's all that matters that they win. And then they'll be able to face Georgia the following week. But, yeah, I don't feel great. I'm kind of curious to see what they'll show up like. Yeah, Florida's been Florida players have been penned up in hotel rooms for two weeks, whereas the Alpha Nerd's been in the lab cooking up a game plan to get ready for the Gators. I, I don't want to I don't want to make any accusations, but does Dan Mullen strike you as a type of coach that's going to really toe the line and stick to these uh, contact tracing protocols by the letter of the law? Or maybe he's maybe he's getting over to my old high school. And yeah, I was going to say, what's the local high school that's been getting uh, the Super Swamp Brothers have been leading player-led workouts? Uh, well, that's, yeah. And that's also like, you know, kind of bringing in the Titans conversation. I thought I was curious what they'd look like. And they did go under the radar and did have these practices. And they looked fine. They had one of the most surprising upsets of the season when they beat the Bills at home and looked awesome. But I don't know. That's an NFL team, you know? And I... I just wonder, much like what happened with Tennessee, you saw like that news came out. I think it's impossible to keep things under wraps because you've got people snooping around. I think that would get some player would say something. Somebody would find out. I think there's also, there's got to be some sort of reality that clicks in no matter how much you want to toe the line is, oh my goodness, we have this many players, 30 plus players. I can't let this spiral out of control. If I lose 20 more, this might jeopardize the whole season. You know, like I, I, there's got to be that element that scares you a little bit and saying, well, we have no choice, but we have to shut down, put these players in hotels and we can't come back for two weeks. Like until we're in the clear. I mean, that's what I think the, like you've got to be, especially at this point in the season, you've got to be dramatic because you just don't want to have anything impact the Georgia game. Right. That's without a doubt got to be the number one concern. All right, we're going to do the early line look ahead, some of the thoughts on the weekend's lines in a little bit. But since we're on the topic, Gators 13-point favorites Saturday night in the swamp. Feel a little little steep? A little steep for the alpha nerd? I ain't touching it. I mean... It's not even like for me, my initial reaction to that is it's not even just like the layoff. It's just what did we see from the Florida defense that really makes you want to trust them to cover that spread right now? But I I don't know because it's the alpha nerd is the alpha nerd, but Missouri's still Missouri and the Super Swamp Brothers are still the Super Swamp. I don't know, man. I, 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 I have to dive in a little further. <laughs> Barton? I, I think my... Uh... My early hunch would be the alpha nerd betting on the alpha nerd here. I just don't, I, I do think 
the the layoff. Who knows? Who knows what that means for Florida? Uh, Missouri doesn't have to pull an upset. That, that, there's a there's a lot of room for that to just be, you know, a comfortable like, like thirty five twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of ways that game could could play out where Florida comfortably wins and 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 you know Missouri still covers. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I like look the I I really want to watch the Missouri Kentucky tape a little bit more closely because I didn't watch a lot of that game and the box score was was <laughs> like one of the one of the best box scores of the weekend. Though there were some crazy box scores and it may not be the ridiculous box score of Kentucky's season so far considering what it put up against Mississippi State. Um but and by the way, Kansas Kansas State box score is a beaut. But uh, I I I I want to I do kind of want to see how Missouri did that um, because hey they, I look Kentucky their offense is is a little bit funky, but they're not bad. They're not a bad That's team. That's an impressive win from, yeah. from Missouri. Connor Baselak getting a little more confidence every time he comes out there. He's a stud too, man. He's been pretty impressive. Larry Roundtree toting the rock for 37 carries for 126, a very workmanlike 126. It's uh, I think it's a game that's like I just I would not touch it from a gambling perspective. I think it's I think any like nothing would surprise me. Florida could come out and get beat and be like, yep, they probably didn't do anything for the whole two weeks and they came out flat. You know, they didn't they couldn't find their continuity. Uh, Florida could go out and blow them out. Wouldn't surprise me. Like nothing would surprise me in this game. So like, I have no feel for what you're. Oh, gonna it's do. a great choose your own narrative game. No matter yeah. the result, <laughs> it's like you've got a couple. Like choose your own adventure. Turn to page five if it's this <laughs> result, and we got we can have our own narratives uh, heading into the next game. Uh, Can't wait until Thursday morning when we've got like lock infinity on Mizzou. <laughs> we've gone from I'm not touching it to I don't know to oh yeah tigers money line sprinkles all four of us. Barton either either live tweet. Or or at least live text your breakdown of Missouri Kentucky tape so that I can uh, get a better understanding as to what four for 13 really, really looked like as a team. I want to know. I want to, yeah. I want to know if that was Missouri's defense or if that was Kentucky's offense. I would say that like, realistically, that's probably where I'm at. Cause I don't, I feel like I know where Missouri's offense is right now, but I don't have any good feel for Missouri's defense because the game it played against LSU, obviously it's like, signature win i guess you could say uh was just such a a weird big 12 affair that i, I don't many, want to penalize how many, it how many carries did you say larry Ryan? 37 right <laughs> yes 37 kentucky had 36 plays period <laughs> he had more carries than kentucky had plays oh, i love it unbelievable uh, over the weekend, uh, big recruiting news. Jaquincy McKinstry, a five-star cornerback from Alabama, commits to Alabama. Crimson Tide, rich get richer. This is the number one cornerback in the entire country. Con- a five-star uh, in the composite. A four-star at 24-7 sports, but still one of the top players in the country. Uh, Barton, the what, what do you like about McKinstry and is this uh, is, was this a, a simple a simple recruiting win for Alabama? Just being able to get down into Pinson and uh, get one of the top players in the state to get on board. The eighth number one player in the state of Alabama in the last ten years for Nick Saban. Um, I, I think it was a it was an important get because when you look at Alabama's secondary right now, 
So Pat Sertan is a, is a stud. He's about to be in the NFL draft. Josh Job is uh, he's a junior. He could leave and get drafted um, pretty high as well, I would assume. And so I think you could be looking at a secondary next year. And I don't think there's a – there might be some guys, whether it's Marcus Banks or um, whoever it is in, this, in the depth chart at that cornerback position that could step up and be really good. But I don't think there's an obvious successor on the depth chart right now. So to get a guy like that, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who can come in and potentially compete right away – is probably pretty important. This dude is a he is a ball skills maniac, like fantastic hands, really good receiver, great basketball player. Is going to play basketball at Alabama too, um, and you know could play, probably play some safety, some star, whatever. Uh, so I, I think he's he's a little bit different than Pat Sertan in terms of just like he's more of a side guy than a just like a polished straight out the box guy like Sertan was. But he is he is got really really high ceiling and upside. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can get on the field. Eight out of the last 10 was Justin Ross. One of those, uh, few that got right. away, Justin Ross and, um, George Pickens. Those are the two. Ooh, both wide receiver. I mean, granted wide receiver room in Alabama has been a little crowded. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if, if I'm a wide receiver, I might understand that, uh, there might be more opportunities elsewhere coming up on the other side. We take a look at some of the early lines for week nine. And as promised, your Knowles to go following the Louisville game next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's been a little too long. We're dusting it off. And you will continue to hear us talk about this because it's, it's time to bring it back out. The mailbag's coming back. We want to hear from you. And for those of you who are mailbag veterans, for for those of you who offered the suggestions that led to the creation and the establishment of Fernelli Tech, Barton A&M, DK State, and the CPU, yeah, that was from the mailbag. Uh, The incredible story about Barton's time as a bouncer at a Slayer concert, yeah, that came from the mailbag. Like, the best conversations and the best questions come from you, the listeners, and they come from our mailbag. I was uh, having a conversation uh, with uh, our podcast team, and they said, you know, we survey the entire CBS Sports Podcast Network and all the different mailbags and all the different reviews where the questions are coming in. They said no one has more creative and more thoughtful questions than those for the Cover 3 podcast. And it's been too long. So it is time to dive back in there. For the new listeners, here's the way you do it. You go uh, wherever you find the Cover 3 podcast and you leave a five-star rating. Then in the review, you can say something nice. You can say something mean, but 
five star rating and then in the review put your mailbag question uh, and we will throw it in the big old bag of mail organize it and we will put together some mailbag episodes we're going to be doing a mailbag episode this week the show will post on Wednesday so you've got a couple days here to be able to get in there uh, fill out your question you know Apologies for all of the uh, COVID conference realignment proposals. We appreciate all of them. We probably had 30 plus individual listeners offering their own suggestions for COVID conference realignment. We are underway with the season. Uh, Thank you for offering those thoughts. But, you know, now's now's time that we turn our attention to uh, the season at hand. And listen, off-the-wall stuff doesn't even have to be about the season at hand. Again, you leave a five-star rating, and then you leave a review, and in the review, put your question for the mailbag, and it will be addressed on a future mailbag episode. Mailbag back this Wednesday. Get your questions in now. I want to take the time to thank all the listeners that Five Star reviewed and offered music recommendations during my summer of music exploration when I was really in a rut musically. Um, Some of you guys have just god-awful taste in music, and and yet I still very much appreciated your recommendation. And I also found it really interesting that, like, we had, like – several steely dan recommendations i don't know what that's all about like i don't know why steely dan is like sort of a cover three podcast favorite um but you know more power to you uh i i actually had pretty like intricate spreadsheet filled out where i was gonna actually crown someone the winner of offering the best recommendation but then the season kicked in and time got so um but, uh, but it was much appreciated. Much appreciated. It, maybe we could put together like a cover three playlist on Spotify. Ooh. I like it. We'll, we, we will, uh, we will submit it. I think we can probably put it together. That's a good idea. And, and Barton, how are we going to, how are we going to notate whose picks or whose, or just let won't. the people figure it out? <laughs> yeah. I think we try to go for as much of a like blend or consensus as possible. I mean, the Steely Dan is awesome. And I'll tell you, Barton, the Steely Dan fans were there it wasn't like like you know the the Venn diagram had already crossed over, <laughs> like you just didn't know that so many Cover Three fans were also Steely Dan fans. But the second that you ask for music recommendations, a Steely Dan fan will be quick to tell you to listen to Steely Dan too. Like I'm yes. I'm I'm more of an Asia guy myself, but everyone's got their favorite Steely Dan album, and they you know everybody tries to come and and you know display some of their personality when they're talking about what their favorite Steely Dan jams are. But I. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm more of an Asia guy. And again, it, just like that, Barton, I wasn't going to come out and be like, you got to listen to Steely Dan. But if you're going to ask, yeah, you should listen to Steely Dan. So so no wonder we have all these Steely Dan people on this podcast. You're a Steely Dan person. Yeah. I didn't even know that. You're a Steely Dan guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to browbeat somebody and, and like yell at everyone saying that they have to listen you, to Steely you're Dan. You're the only one who doesn't because you're right about Steely Dan fans. They're, it's like them and Fish fans. They're like the CrossFitters of music fans in that it always comes up within the first two sentences of talking to them that they like that thing or they do that thing. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm a big Steely Dan fan. 
How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> my name's my name's Barton. I love Steely Dan. What are you doing here? I uh, I used to do the in-house PA. I did for about maybe seven years. I did the in-house PA at the North Carolina High School Athletic Association state state championships for soccer. I would do the boys in the fall, the girls in the spring, and you know you do all the like one A, two A, three A, four A. It's a full day full of games. And there was a high school beat writer named Alex Bass from Apex who loved Steely Dan. And for all of these seven years, the theme music in between games at the North Carolina High School Athletic Association Soccer State Championships was Steely Dan. And we just played it in the Wake Med Soccer Park, just getting things going. People like the Steely Dan. What can I say? Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the weekend ahead. Some of the early lines. Uh, we already mentioned Florida is a 13-point favorite against Missouri. We are all going to say beware for right now, and then we'll be back on Thursday, probably all with angles uh, backing the alpha nerd. The um, Tom, you mentioned 11 was the opener for Wisconsin yeah. until the Graham Mertz news came out. That's come down to 7.5. I was listening to Scott Frost talk about uh, his team and it seems like, and this just might be Scott Frost talking, but it seems like Scott Frost feels feels all right about the way his team competed against Ohio State. And it seems like there's at least a little bit of optimism in terms of, you know, where they are. I would say the things that I liked, you know, the the the, the dual quarterback attack is uh, is very intimidating. I think that at wide receiver, they are they're starting to build out a little bit of depth. And I felt like the defense played all right. I mean, they were getting after it uh, in terms of the defensive front and trying to cause some problems for Ohio State's run game. So, I mean, even at seven and a half with some of that value gone, I don't, I don't know. I'd be very, very tempted to uh, to take Nebraska to to win that game, uh, to cover that spread, and maybe even win that game outright. Where are you all at with the Cornhuskers? I don't know, man. I feel like Nebraska's getting a lot of credit for a 52-17 loss. <laughs> They got boat raced. Yeah, I, yeah like I, I've been, I, and I'm not. This is, I, I, this is a judgment on myself. Also, like I've been there. Oh yeah, look, that, that, the run defense is pretty good. Yeah, like oh, look, that offense lot Well, better than I thought. Like it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They just got beat by 35 points. So, I maybe you're right, but I'm not going to talk. I am not going to talk myself into Nebraska until I see them like really compete for four quarters. You just did the Davo Sweeney. Am I am I on the right press conference? Am I, and, I mean, I, I, thought we, Davo. I thought we won. <laughs> it's like, Chip, are, are you talking about the team that just got beat 52 to 17? I'm in the right press conference, right? This, yeah. we, we, we just got our ass beat by 35 points, right? <laughs> the negativity. Give me a little negativity here. Well, well, to be fair, they only lost by 28 because when Ryan Day apologized for that final touchdown, it no longer counts. That's right. Fair. Uh, Ohio State, meanwhile, 13-point favorites on the road against Penn State, and that feels like a trap begging me to take Penn State. <laughs> and that opened at like 9.5 in some places, and it quickly went up to 13.5. Yeah, it's that. that's a really interesting line. A couple other lines that stood out to me that are at least worth talking about is one, Barton's beloved Northwestern Wildcats opening up as a three and a half point favorite on the road against Iowa. That's now been down to two and a half that based on what I saw on Saturday, that looks juicy. Another one for, uh, for our boy Coca here, West Virginia is favored at home against Kansas state. For some reason, I can't really figure that one out. 
And then another interesting line to me, which might be a surprise considering their records, but shouldn't be a surprise if you've been paying attention. LSU, a three-point favorite on the road against Auburn. Mm. Is that concerned about... Uh... I mean, I'm I'm selling all the Auburn stock unless you think that yeah. okay, all right. Like it, you got Tom. You're saying you, you would have thought that line would be bigger. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just surprised that based on the way LSU has played this year, because you know the narrative surrounding LSU has been it's been a huge disappointment, and Auburn is at least you know it hasn't been great, but it's got a winning record and it's at home and it is a home underdog to LSU. I was surprised to see that. T.J. Finley, baby, this is the new era. We're all we're all go with the new starting quarterback. I'm on board. I would take that. Um, I don't know what else Auburn's stands out. Really close to being a one win team, aren't they? I mean, they had the Kentucky call go their way. They probably win that game. The Arkansas game they should have lost, and this last one they had another call that absolutely helped them. So when you look at Auburn and see three and two, that could easily be one and four. Now it's not. Because the refs, but I think that and I liked Auburn before. Like I'm, I'm not going anywhere near Auburn. I kind of like LSU in this spot. Let's not blame the refs. It's Auburn Jesus working his miracles <laughs> through the refs. That's right. But I will say the way the Gus things normally go, I am very tempted to be all over Auburn plus three this week <laughs> against LSU. <laughs> Because everyone's going to be loading up on the like now. This is when every everything uh, comes crashing down. This house of cards has just been built on controversial endings, and here comes LSU. Mm. Mm. So, I will interject here about the Auburn stuff. I do, yeah, like for real, they absolutely could be one and four. The thing about it, though, is I think a lot of people are clinging to these like the refs are bailing them out deals, and. And, and failing to acknowledge what those calls were, where those bailouts happened. They, the bailout at Arkansas was, yeah, like they should have given him the, it should have been a fumble. But in most normal games, you also just clock the football and it's not a big deal. Like in the punt return, in the punt that was, that was touched, uh, was recovered in the end zone by Yeah, they should have called it, touched the, the Auburn guy and there should have been a points. Ole Miss, but in most games, like, I mean, the guy didn't really touch it in an impactful way. And so I, I, I think what he touched it, like he could have been, and now Grant, there was a no, lot of, I, there were still five saying, minutes left. Like Ole Miss defense still had to make some stops. So it's no guarantee. And I'm not chalking these all up. I'm not saying, oh, one and four, but they still had a massive impact on all those games. Absolutely. And my point is, because I think the, the statement is true, that could be one and four or whatever it is. I guess my point is, I think you got to be careful because those, a lot of these plays there, they got these fortunate breaks, were not representative of Auburn making a bad play from a like skill standpoint or an ability standpoint. They just sort of got unlucky themselves and, and then lucky that the refs missed it or whatever it is. So I don't know. I'm just, Auburn is. I say that, and I was I was sort of led into that, and just thinking like, yeah, we're, we're like Auburn Jesus has built him out a lot, but we call it Auburn Jesus because Auburn Jesus is always there. And <laughs> he works. Gus in Malzahn, mysterious Gus Malzahn's, I mean, he, it's not like there's he might not get bailed out again by Auburn Jesus again. So I I don't really know what to make of the game, um, and uh, I just think that it, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Those two footprints in the sand, that's where Auburn Jesus carried you. But here, I, I got a question for you, General Simmons. Yes. UCF <laughs> at Houston, the total 
is 79. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, I don't know. Are you going to bet the under? I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I just want to know what General Simmons is telling the troops. We got an overset. We got a total set at 79. Clearly, we have to go over, right? My, my troops are, um, are, are, our morale is low right now after an 0-2 weekend for the over army. Uh, so I don't know. We'll have to regroup, get a game plan. Uh, it sure would be that. That sure would be nice for morale if we could hit over 79. We'll see. Well, here, here's another fun total, I think, for the over army, which could boost morale. Because this one is like, this is the Venn diagram of the over army with the dentist on one side and Nashville on the other. It's Ole Miss versus Vanderbilt. The total's at 62 and a half. That might be the lowest total we see in a Rebels game all season long. <laughs> I saw that too. It, I saw the 17 points. And that I, was, what I was wondering, do we just, uh, is it going to find Vanderbilt back in action? Ole Miss playing with even more confidence. Like they've been a really nice surprise. Can Vanderbilt score? Can your, can your true freshman quarterback, can he put up some points on Ole Miss defense? I'm tempted to jump on this one early and just lay the 17 and say yeah. find Vanderbilt. It's been working for Kansas. This is the same philosophy. The uh, that Kansas line, by the way, this weekend, the Jayhawks are in action at home against Iowa State, twenty-eight and a half for our weekly Kansas check. I think we've reached the point where I'm ready to jump on Kansas. Yeah, no, I don't think that's free access yardage anymore. Twenty-eight. Where? What number would you start to get nervous about for Michigan? Michigan State. Do y'all know what it is? Have you looked it up yet? I do. I'll let, I'll let them oh, guess first, oh. though. I just found it. Yeah. I'll let Barton guess. Uh, uh, let's see. Is it 27? It might oh. be by kickoff. <laughs> what is it now? <laughs> 25. All right. Who's Rutgers playing, by the way? Speaking up, like, is there any Rutgers play this weekend? Well, let's see. Rutgers Indiana. is at home against Indiana. Let down. Rutgers Ooh. is plus 13. Uh-oh. <laughs> I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that Michigan, uh, I'm prepared to lay 25 against Michigan State, but I'm also ready for it to be the wrong spot. If that game was not in the big house, I'd be a little bit uh, more nervous about it. Maybe... I don't know. Rocky Lombardi is awful. What would we have big house overs? Wasn't it? Michigan yeah. home overs is a, a principle that's pretty, pretty time tested, at least in the Jim Harbaugh era. But yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be ready to uh, ask much of Michigan state uh, at all. I think I, I do feel uh, okay about laying 25. I think I would take it up to 28. I'd, I mean, this an overreaction big time, but Sparty may be oh and eight oh and nine worst team in the big 10 kind of bad. I mean, y'all's boys at Rutgers were the beneficiaries of seven turnovers. Yeah. Seven turnovers. They're they're playing defense though. You got to force some of those turnovers. Five of them were fumbles. Five were fumbles. (laughs) Yeah. Here's one based on what we saw on Saturday, Friday night, Minnesota, who's probably still going to be missing at the right side of its offensive line. Might be missing its starting kicker. Might still be missing its starting punter because, again, we don't know the exact reason why any of them are out or perhaps when they found out the exact reason why any of them are out. So we don't know how much longer they're out. But Minnesota is on the road against Maryland, and it is a 20-point favorite. Hmm. Maryland, 
I mean, do any of us have the stones after watching the way Maryland looked against Northwestern to sack up and support the Terps so, as three touchdown dogs at home? Tanner Morgan looked a little off against Michigan. The perfect prescription might be playing Maryland for him to get right. I don't have the yeah. stones. Do you all have the stones? I don't have the stones. I'm happy that there are three other games on Friday night, so I don't have to make that the Twitter tip of the day. Oh, okay. I did want to. Um, I didn't want to let this uh, this one lose our attention because there is a top ten team who would like to fancy itself as a college football playoff contender. I don't think any of us are going to call them a college football playoff contender, but there is a top ten team that is undefeated that has flown a little bit below the radar. Some of it is because like we mentioned earlier with, uh, with Florida and some of these other teams, you, you miss a week cause the game gets postponed. You kind of fall off the radar. Cincinnati is a six and a half point favorite at home against Memphis. Cincinnati has so far, uh, in its two, I guess, toughest games against army. The defense was awesome. Uh, snuffing everything out, and then they just totally dominated at SMU, win that game 42-13. to Again, I think they win on the backs of their defense in that one. With Memphis coming to town, you've got Memphis this week, you've got Houston the next week. There are opportunities for Cincinnati to continue to stack wins on wins and continue to at least be a factor in the college football, pl- in the college football conversation. Again, College football playoff conversation kind of depends on uh, how you feel about uh, the chances of any group of five team making it to the college football playoff by the end of the year. But the Bearcats are right there. They are without a doubt the top team in the American Athletic Conference. Six and a half is a little bit of a short number. Are you going to put the Bearcats on upset alert with Memphis coming to town? Memphis beat them twice last year. Yeah. I, yeah. I like Cincinnati, but I got to give this game some thought. The answer is yes. Upset thing. alert for sure. I mean, this. I mean, Memphis is um, Memphis is still really nasty on offense, and they can't stop anybody. But that's all right. Brady White has played Cincinnati nineteen times in his college career, probably, <laughs> and he's like eighteen and one. Yeah, Memphis has won five straight, although, I mean, only two of those wins in the last few years, like the last one before it was like Tommy Tuberville versus, I think, Mike Norville in his very first season. But, yeah. I, 59 I, I, and a half, the total. This might be an over-army special. <laughs> we might have to get partners to, to alert the troops. Even <laughs> as good as Cincinnati's defense has been, Memphis is going to put up some points on them. Mm. Let's see. You see Texas in uh, Oklahoma State. Texas is a uh, three, three and a half point dog against Oklahoma State. I don't know. I'm not buying in Oklahoma State just yet. Oh, is Uh Texas the the time to turn it around? What's your problem, man? What's what's the deal? (laughs) Hey, I'm just saying. I was worried about Spencer Sanders returning to the lineup, and that's pretty much what we got with Spencer Sanders returning to the lineup, and the offense didn't look that much different. Yeah, you're gonna get some. You can get some bad throws, Spencer Sanders, from time to time. Yeah, I I get it. Uh, I, it's look, it's uh, it's pretty encouraging that 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 um defense continues to play consistently as well as it has. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the thing with that is just like 
Texas still Texas still isn't that good. Like even the even the Baylor game, like it wasn't that wasn't it wasn't all that impressive. Um, so I don't know. I still think I, I still think Big Tw- they're, they're probably. I think they probably are go seven and one, and they lose to Oklahoma, and then they play Oklahoma again and lose that one. We'll see on that one. Early early forecast for that game. Now we're six days out, but it's going to be windy. <sighs> Love I like it. that for o- Oklahoma State better than Texas. Nothing's better than going into uh, a weekend knowing the forecast and the confidence it can give you in uh, in, in taking that under and, and just riding that wonder train. And it's the same kind of th- confidence that you might have if you've got the perfect outfit put together thanks to Express. Because when you put together uh, the different pieces from Express, they can get you uh, from your your most fancy work or social occasion all the way to just, you know, feeling comfortable and kicking your feet up at the end of the day, because they've got all day comfort where it feels like your favorite sweatpants. It's got that extra stretch, but at the same time, it's flattering fit and it works well for all kinds of occasions. And when we talk about wearing it all day, it's not just uh, the style in terms of being able to work in different occasions. The wrinkle resistant fabric makes it great to be able to travel all around town or uh, it, all across the country. It's got extra stretch that goes along with the all day comfort. And that is what you can do uh, in order to be versatile and not have to be stressed out about all these different outfit changes that you need. So you don't have to worry about outfit changes. You can feel confident and that's going to help you go about your goals. It's going to help you uh, be in a position to succeed. And what you can do is you can get $25 off a $50 purchase from Express by texting football to 397737. Again, $25 off a $50 purchase from Express. Text football to 397737. Whether it's work, whether it's social, whether it's casual, nothing will beat the all-day comfort and versatility of Express. So get $25 off a $50 purchase. Text football to 397737. Speaking of looking good in football, you know who looks good right now? AC Milan. AC Milan just took a one nothing lead two oh. minutes into the match. Let's go. Order for hey, Danny. <laughs> now I got to watch it. Dang it. Order for Danny. Order for Danny. All right. Almost, it's only a lock unity, though. Barton didn't want to make it a lock infinity. <laughs> Blame Germany from 2008 <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> um, all right, Danny, the, the trap spot, the letdown spot, we, yeah. we signaled the alerts. We, we had the alarms and, and, and sure enough, uh, Florida state showed up and the defense gave up explosive plays. It, mm. by the time, uh, they even got things rolling. It was already like what? 21, nothing in this game. How, how, how is, first of all, your assessment of the game itself. And then also, uh, of course, as always the pulse of no nation. So I thought this game could go one of two ways. I thought Florida state could win the game outright potentially if they kind of carried some of the, some of the momentum from the North Carolina game, or I thought, you know what? They might've pulled out all the bag of tricks that they had offensively with Jordan Travis and use them against North Carolina. 
And then once you get a little bit of a deeper dive on this offense, you see, man, this thing is really has its limitations if you take away the run game from Jordan Travis. And I thought you saw that. Biggest disappointment to me was the defensive side of the ball. Like this is a defense that has played pretty tough. They haven't quit on, you know, Mike Norvell. They played pretty tough and they got run over for 291 yards rushing. Like that's an embarrassing performance. There's one or two ways I think you can treat this game if you're Mike Norvell. First, is that you, and I've been in these situations. I've been on bad teams, not in Tallahassee, but in the NFL, I was on a lot of bad teams. The coach can go one of two ways. You can either go the hard coach, and this is where typically when you watch film after a game, you you just you you have a big team meeting, kind of go over big picture, and then you split up the offense watches with offense, and you might even split even further. And the quarterbacks only watch the tape with the quarterbacks, and the offensive line watches the quarterbacks or the offensive line defense watches it with their position groups, and everybody splits off. But when you've been in a bad situation, Dan Reeves was notorious for this with the, when I was with him with the Giants or the Falcons. If it was a bad game, the whole team would be in one room and you basically get one big ass chewing all at the same time. Like, and so you're sitting there and film sessions are already kind of like, especially if it's a bad game, you're like, I don't want to watch this game. Like, I got to sit through this again. So now not only have to watch the offense, you have to watch the defensive side of the ball too. So I think that's option A for Mike Norvell. Bring everybody in there. Expose everybody. This is what sucked. This, you got beat here. This was unacceptable. And you just chew basically everybody in the room out and everybody's put on blast. Like, that's one. Or you could go in a different direction and you could do, I forget who it was. Bart might be able to help me. One of you guys might be able to help me out. As you go with this one, you get everybody up in the team and you act like you're going to go for the the big ass chewing. Hey, we're going to ream everybody. And instead... Take the tape. It's hard now. Now, now you no might pull it up on the now. Now you put it up on the screen and you hit delete, and you say this game didn't count. We're racing from our memories. We're moving forward. We're putting this one past us. I don't know what Mike Norvell, what personality he is. I feel like this team probably is at a place where they're very immature. They could use a little uh, tough love, but also they're fragile. So maybe you say this game doesn't count. We're just going to throw it out and move forward. But I think those are the two options because there's not much else you can do with this game except look at it as what it was, and it was ugly. I'm Columbia, <laughs> Columbia, Yale, 2001, <laughs> sophomore safety Barton Simmons drops two balls that would have been pick sixes. Ooh. We lose to a bad Columbia team. The next day we're sitting on the curb getting ready to watch the film we don't want to watch, and Coach Flanders, our D coordinator, says, you guys are done. Don't need to watch that tape. Head on home. So that's Which the one time like, you've gotten that treatment. It's kind of like awesome, though, because <laughs> then you get the day off. So you're like, yes, I was going to go super old school where they take it and they bury it, where they bury the tape and like put it in the ground and bury it because it's gone. But you can't do that anymore because there's no tape. You could destroy Definitely. a laptop. That's what yeah. I think would really drive it home. <laughs> All it's, the style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, you know what? We're not doing anything with this tape. And then you just slam a laptop on the ground. I mean... Yeah, that, that you know be- what I was really bummed about though, because I was, you know, hey, okay, uh, Chuba Purdy, maybe we'll get a little glimpse at him. Oh, for nine. Yeah, not even a completion. So it's kind of like there really wasn't a bright spot. That's why I think you burn this tape. You don't even look at it. Uh, I didn't get to see any Chuba snaps. Did he? I mean, did he look all right? I got to go back and watch this game. I, I, I've, I've been of the mindset of let's burn the tape, <laughs> but I want to go back and see just how bad it was. And I do want to watch Chubba and see exactly uh, how he did. 
The Chubba thing is interesting because he was always going to be, I mean, he was physically ready. He was athletic. Um, he was, he's a big, strong kid, but I've never seen him throw in person, but on film in high school, even though he was very productive, he's got kind of a funky delivery. He looks like he's a little bit um, raw as a passer. So I'm not surprised if he were to come out there and just like the pass game element of his, his game isn't, isn't top notch yet. I would have envisioned more of a Jordan Travis type of impact, even if he were to play more of a, a run game guy, but um, that's interesting. Oh, and not over nine is not good. Not good. Reminder, we will be opening up that big old bag of mail on Wednesday. So you got some time to go and leave a five-star rating and a review. In that review, you put your question for the big old bag of mail. We will address it on the upcoming mailbag episode. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.